Welcome to the forum at Holy Communion. My name is Mike. I am one of the priests at Holy Communion. And this is our first installment of the forum for the uh, fall season of 2021. And it's kind of fitting. I'm, I'm delighted to be joined by our bishop, the 11th bishop of the Diocese of Missouri, uh, Bishop Dion Johnson. Uh, it is a joy always to be with you, Bishop. And I'm, we're so glad that you're going to be joining us for services on Sunday morning this Sunday. Great to be with you and a warm welcome back from sabbatical to you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm still, you know, figuring out where light switches are again and things like <laughs> that. But um, I thought we would have a pretty informal conversation, uh, but to let people get a chance to hear a little bit about the work that has been going on in the diocese. Uh, you, we are coming up on this fall will be the second anniversary of your election. Uh, you have been, yeah, you've been bishop though for just over a year because we it took us a little while to get you consecrated with COVID. Um, but you haven't allowed us to take it slowly. You've been really busy and working and doing a lot of stuff. So I thought I'd start by asking you a little bit. I know that I missed out on some town halls this summer while I was gone, but I know you're working on some mission and vision work in the diocese, and I wonder if you could update us a little bit about where that work is and where it's headed. Well, a little background. Um, one of the things for me that's been really, really important is to make sure that we have a unifying vision as a diocese. Um, you've probably heard me say at some point that we are one church in, a multiple, in multiple locations. Um, and the only way that we can do that is by kind of having, you know, a, a common playbook. Um, and so the strategic vision is, is exactly that. It's a playbook that we all can take a page from and do something with. And so beginning in January of this year, even though we approved strategic visioning at the last convention, um, we were hard at work with listening to all the congregations. And I'm happy to say that we have had input from every single one of the congregations on some aspect of um, strategic visioning. And it's, it's really exciting because we get a whole new um, mission statement. We get a new vision statement. Um, you've probably already seen the new website. Um, and so at convention, there'll be the new strategic visioning is gonna be presented by the committee. Um, and the, the hope is that each congregation will pull a little piece of strategic visioning be their thing. Hmm. You know, we're gonna all do the big pieces, but we're hoping that you'll take on the small little pieces as well. Can you give us an example of what that might look like? Well, like for instance, um, justice, social justice is one of the areas um, in the strategic visioning. And so, you know, I know Holy Communion has been like in the forefront in many ways of doing works of justice and mercy in our community. And so you can tie into what's going on at the wider diocesan level. I mean, the whole point is that every congregation will do some of this at some point. Um, but strategic visioning is intended to be a five-year process. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe Holy Communion jumps in on this, the peace and justice piece this time or justice and mercy piece this time. And next year you decide, well, you know what? We want to focus on worship and liturgy. Mm -hmm. 
So the whole point is that you, it, it's not everybody has to do all the pieces all the time because that's a lot of work. <laughs> um, it's you plug in and take the pieces that, that are more in line with what God's discern in your community. Mm-hmm. How has, um, I mean, I know that COVID has impacted everything in your episcopate, including when you got to become bishop, but how do you think the COVID situation has had uh, an effect on this process and what might come for it and what's going on in the diocese writ large? COVID, what, what, what COVID are you speaking of? <laughs> um, well, you know, I, I have said that, and this sounds odd at first, but COVID has perhaps been the best thing to happen to the church in a very long time. Hmm. Um, and I'll unpack what I mean by that. I'm not saying that COVID is a good thing. So don't, don't, quote, don't quote the bishop as saying that COVID is a good thing. Um, as a result of COVID, you know, we have, we have moved further forward in technology than I think we would have gone um, if left on our own. So that's been one of the good things. And one of the blessings of COVID for us, especially during strategic visioning, is that we were able to hear a lot more voices that we would have been able to do outside of COVID. I mean, here's an odd statistic. Every single one of our congregations has benefited from technology. So they have either live streaming happening or something has, all that stuff has been upgraded. And so they've all been able to participate in ways that we may not have been able to do previously. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's really helped us to feel as a diocese a lot more connected. That's, I mean, it, I, it's certainly true. It's been kind of amazing. Uh, we did a little bit of work uh, with some folks at Christchurch and Rala uh, as they were contemplating a laundry love ministry. And yeah. it's been amazing to see how much this congregation out in Rala has come online um, and really done some of that work. Could you give us a sense of, I know that Holy Communion was one of the first parishes to uh pause worship in person and to go fully online. Uh, And I know that there are other congregations that are a little further ahead of us in terms of um, relaxing COVID restrictions. What's the, uh, what are the kind of, what's the breadth of the diocese right now in terms of what worship and what um, COVID restrictions look like? Yeah, well, almost all of the congregations in the diocese um, and worshiping communities, because there's Deaconess Anne House and Rockwell House. Yeah. So almost all the worshiping communities in the diocese are back to some version of in-person worship. Um, um, I know like for Holy Communion, you are gradually moving back into it. Um, mm-hmm. But I think for the most part, almost all of them are to the point where there is some version of in-person worship. Um, what those in-person worship looks like, that varies across the congregations. But it's it's just been fascinating to see how people have adapted. Yeah. Um, you know, who would have thought that we would be thinking, oh, let's have liturgy outside on the lawn or, you know, at the local park in a pavilion or something like that. So mm-hmm. I, I found this time to be really exciting for the church. So that's mm-hmm. been that's kind of been the blessing that people are trying new things. Yeah. And, you know, for us to be viable within the wider community, I think we really just have to try some new things. Yeah, no, that's, as you say, we're, we're taking steps back. We're moving really slowly. I think yeah. we anticipated, as I came back from sabbatical, as I was getting ready to leave, we sort of brought everything back in person. We made that an option again, but I was really anticipating being able to roll back restrictions quite a bit more as I came back and then Delta hit us. Oh, yeah. um, but we are still finding ways to do, for instance, your visit this weekend, will be the first time we've had Eucharist at 1030 
-hmm. in the morning um, because we were doing morning prayer all summer long. And um, wow. we're gonna see, you know, I figure with the Bishop here, people probably wanna receive communion. So we're gonna see how that goes this Sunday. And I'm sort of anticipating the Church of the Holy Communion will probably make Holy Communion, our principal worship on Sunday morning. <laughs> that, that, you know, living into your namesake is never a bad thing. It's never a bad thing. But it's, it's interesting as you talk about, uh, COVID is definitely not a good thing. No. But it has forced some adaptation. It's forced some creativity. Uh, it's forced some thought about who we are and what we're doing in some important ways. Yeah. We've also had this interesting dance, and I, you know, sometimes people talk about dance in a way that's like political and problematic. I know that for us, and partly because um, the Reverend Mark Smith has been on your COVID advisory committee for the diocesan guidelines, but we've done, I think, a pretty, you know, we, we've worked really well together, but there's been a little bit of a dance of uh, local decisions about what the restrictions are versus uh, bishops orders. And you put a masking mandate back in place um, as the Delta numbers rose this summer. Where do you think that dance is taking us as the fall rolls on? Well, you know, if I knew that, I would be yeah. buying lottery tickets. <laughs> um, but um, I mean, I, I, it, I, like you said, it's kind of a delicate balance between here's the authority that, you know, the bishop is given and, and local authority. Um, and I, I try not to use that, okay, you have the full authority to do all of this stuff. Yeah. Um, I try to use that lightly. Um, because you know what's best in your context in your community. Um, on the uh, on that same level, I have to look at the whole diocese and recognize, like for instance, we have had no super spreader events in at any point in the diocese of Missouri. Zero. Yeah. Um, there are not too many dioceses that can say that. And so, for me, once I saw the Delta variant kind of really on the rise, the the mask mandate was just kind of well this is what we have to do to protect our neighbors i know some folks will disagree but i would rather be cautious and save some save some of our folks um some pain and grief than to not be cautious and have to worry about people who are grieving those who, who they're losing yeah no i i do have to say you know uh julie has done a fantastic job while i've been mm -hmm. away um really done an incredible job leading while i've been away but i know that as i came back she was really looking forward to being able to say again oh the rector's coming back it's you know we'll just have to talk to the rector about that and i mm -hmm. as a rector i have to say i've really appreciated the times when i've been able to say well the bishop's office is saying this is what we have to do and so we just have to do it you know that's that's it's yeah. nice to be able to kick it up the chain so uh, thank you for having our back that way. Well, you're welcome. I mean, I, I pick up the phone and call the presiding bishop and go, okay. I imagine that he goes out onto the balcony at 815 in New York and yell at God and ask, okay, what am I supposed to do now? So. There's an old rabbi joke in there somewhere. <laughs> exactly. But, um, speaking of which, you and I have been um, toying around a little bit, and I'm looking forward as I come back from sabbatical talking more about liturgy in the Diocese of Missouri, but um, you have made things more flexible and, and more, um, I will say working with Bishop Wayne was a wonderful gift for the start of my ministry. And when you came on, 
I went from uh, asking the bishop's office sometimes for forgiveness and sometimes for permission to do things liturgically to a anytime you and I get on to talk about liturgy, you're like handing me four resources and saying, you should try this at Holy Communion. I'm going, whoa. Um, <laughs> but you're on the churchwide commission on liturgy. And so you've got a little bit of a sense next summer, you and I will be together at the convention of the wider Episcopal Church. So yeah. I wonder if you're hearing anything, does, does COVID, COVID impact our wider conversation about liturgy in the Episcopal Church? And what are the things that you're looking forward to talking about as we prepare, prepare for a churchwide discussion next summer? Yeah. Well, I mean, like you said, I'm on the prayer book and liturgy revision um, task force. Um, and that comes with its own set of challenges, obviously. Yeah. Um, because, you know, you put two Episcopalians in a room and there are four opinions on liturgy. Yeah. Um, and so um, I'm not saying we're going to have a church fight. That's, <laughs> but I suspect that there's going to be some pushback at different levels yeah. around how to, what prayer book revision means. Um, what I think is happening more often than not is more people are reading this, like we're going to get a new prayer book. And if you read the resolution from general convention, that's not what the resolution says. The resolution asks us to revise the current prayer book. Mm. Um, a new prayer book and a revised prayer book are two different things. Yeah. So, I mean, so, so we're going to revise the liturgy. And I think what we're looking at um, is the possibility of having more options to better reflect the diversity that's now present in the Episcopal church. Mm. I mean, people forget that Puerto Rico is a part of the Episcopal church, Honduras, um, Ecuador, you know, that there's 17 countries outside the United States that are part of, you know, Haiti, yeah. They're all part of the Episcopal Church, and that's a wide cultural um, group to try to bring together in one worshiping community. And so um, a big part of prayer book revision is to begin to reflect the now present diversity that's in the Episcopal Church. Yeah. Um, people are going to push back against that because it's like, well, I'm accustomed to things being a certain way, um, but those things aren't going away. We're just expanding rather than we're not taking away, we're expanding what's already there. Yeah, no, it's it's interesting. In some ways, you've pushed us to live into the breadth of what's allowed now, um, and and given us. And when I say you've handed us things, I mean I found some of the liturgies you wrote during COVID when we were in this very flexible space when we were entirely online, incredibly useful. Um, and you also handed us. I didn't know about the new translation of the Psalms from the Anglican Church of Canada, which we've been using all summer at Holy Communion. And I've heard good things about. So it's it's interesting to see what, you know, like I, I wonder whether the flexibility that has been forced at this time by COVID, uh, whether that might broaden this conversation a little bit. I, I suspect it will a little bit. I mean, but there are still some pockets um, of the church and it, some of it, a lot of it depends on the diocesan bishop. Yeah. You know, some bishops are much more permissive and then there's some who are like, well, just do the, do the stuff from the prayer book and all shall be well. Um, I happen to be part of the first group to say, um, I mean, just even look at the resolution that we talked about for prayer book revision, it calls for a season of, exper of experimentation in the Episcopal Church. And again, we forget that it, we were called to try some new liturgies that could be submitted. And so if we don't try new things, you know, what, 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 what do we have to compare once we get to that point? Yeah. Um, so I would rather us 
try some things. And I'd rather you just send stuff to me or, I mean, knowing that I'm going to send you back like six different revisions or something. Um, because I, I, I'm fascinated by liturgy. I love liturgy and I love liturgy done well. Um, so anything that makes both your life as a parish priest and the congregation get a better understanding of what this Christian journey is about, I'm all for it. Yeah. We both have dogs that are running around in the background, it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> we just run out of the room. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one of the things I wanted to ask about, and, and specifically as we talk about flexibility and as we talk about liturgy, uh, one of the things that we're really looking forward to and, and that we've been partnering on in the ways we've been able to with COVID, but as the restrictions, um, you know, as, as hopefully we make our way through the variants and more people are able to be vaccinated is the work around grace gathering. Yes. Um, Julie has picked up the work that Lori Anzalotti started with us incredibly well. And we're really looking at ways to partner with uh, families and with people who are all over the autism spectrum, uh, who have intellectual disability or difference depending on their language um, and find ways to invite not just our congregation, but our wider community into that work of living into what we, you know, we, we claim to be a welcoming diverse community seeking to follow Jesus at Holy Communion. And so learning how to live more deeply into that diversity. Uh, Whitney preached this summer, came in and visited and preached this summer. And I'm still hearing rave reviews of Whitney's sermon. But can you talk a little bit about the hope um, of, I mean, like, I don't know of a time, at least in recent history, when the Diocese of Missouri has had an evangelism office, uh, but talk a little bit about the hope that's already uh, embodied in your leadership and, and Whitney's work and ways congregations like Holy Communion might partner. Yeah, well, uh, a little fun fact, Whitney is one of, I think, six, only six evangelism staff members across the 110 dioceses of the Episcopal Church. Mm. So for me, it's a role that we desperately need kind of going forward. Um, because, you know, for me, we we embody so much good news. Um, being, you know, the Episcopal branch of the Jesus movement, according to the presiding bishop. But there's so much good news. There's so much, I think, that we can offer to a world that's looking. Um, yeah. And, but we, we tend to think of evangelism as that bad word because we've, we, we've, we've experienced colonial evangelism, you know, where you just beat somebody into submission until they give in. And that we know that that doesn't work. Yeah. And so with Grace Gatherings, like some of the other initiatives about planting new congregations and new communities that are worshiping, um, I think they offer, offer us an opportunity to really speak to and be with people during whatever's going on in their life. And so, you know, so Grace Gathering is one, um, and I'm so grateful to you and the folks at Holy Communion for, and um, Laurie and Julie and all the other people that make that a possibility um, for the ministry that you're doing, especially for those folks who might be difficult to try to worship on a Sunday morning um, at a 1030 service that looks pretty normal, and yeah. normal is a relative term. Well, um, that, that has bright lights and loud organs and all those things that are in that hymn that we do this time of year, you know, the loud organs proclaim but exactly. all the very enculturated ways in which we worship that sensory wise don't work. Um, if you're somebody for whom that is an assault on your senses. So exactly. finding ways to do that flexibility. Yep. Yeah, it's it's an interesting 
thing to be an Episcopalian with a big history of, you know, like the Episcopal Church has some of the biggest history of being married to colonialism of any church there is. Yeah. But trying to envision being present and announcing good news in a community in a different sort of way. Yeah. And Julie's remarked on this over the summer. She, we, we've been catching up this last week as I've been back and multiple times she said to me, I can't believe coming from California, how many people just show up and worship with you all for the first time. That, that in Missouri, there are so many people that are hungry for church that looks like Holy Communion, that looks like what the Episcopal Church has to offer that has done its work around racism or is doing its work around racism and homophobia and is doing its work around women's leadership. Um, and that, I mean, it's just sort of a surprise for somebody coming from uh, the West Coast to see like how appealing that is and yeah. how ready people are to hear. So go ahead. Heard, the, the hope is to expand on that. Yeah. I mean, Grace Gathering is a great one. Um, we're um, Mtipe Kogani, who just went off to seminary yeah. this fall. He is, he's in the midst of planting a new African diaspora congregation out of the cathedral. Um, we just invested a whole bunch of stuff from the national church and Faith Christian Church of India. Yeah. Um, and we're looking at other, we're looking at a Spanish speaking congregation um, in the not too distant future. So, I mean, part of it for me is we, we have got to go where people are, you know, yeah. waiting for them to come to us is just not going to happen anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm, I'm so excited to hear that you're looking at a Spanish speaking congregation. Um, it, having gotten to lead one of those in Washington when I first started. Uh, that was another thing I was going to say with the prayer book. The only, in that resolution, the only pushback I didn't hear was the resolution from General Convention saying we need a new translation of the Spanish language prayer book because it was done in such a way that's not the language of the people. Yeah. Um, so just sent out the draft of mm -hmm. the new revised, um, I think it's called the, the dynamic translation, Yeah. just came out uh, last month. Yeah, no, it's it's exciting. Bishop, it's exciting to hear all of these things. Um, I have to say, I'm glad that I got a good restful sabbatical because every time I get together with you, I feel like I've got like a bullet point list of things I've got to get done. Um, <laughs> but I feel like that's a good thing to have. I from hearing a that. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, a good thing. I show up and it's like, oh, we got 10 other things we have to do now. I'm like, oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, Bishop, we are really looking forward to worshiping with you on Sunday morning at 8 and 1030. It is always wonderful to have you with us. Uh, we're looking forward to praying with you. And between the two services at 9.15 in the morning, uh, we're going to do for the first time some question and answer out on the lawn, weather permitting. The weather forecast is really good right now, but, you know, Missouri, wait a minute. Um, but we look forward to getting a chance to um, visiting with you, doing some question and answer. If you do have a question and you want to get it in there, whether you can be there with us in person or not, feel free to leave a comment on YouTube or Facebook as you watch this or send me an email at rector at holycommunion.net with your question. We'll be sure to ask the bishop on Sunday morning. Bishop, thank you. We look forward to being with you on Sunday. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. And I hope that you really did get some spiritual time away for your sabbatical. So yeah. thank you. Thank you.